Hello, everyone. I'm Justine Giles, and this is this is episode 42 of the sit down. Welcome. Welcome Thank to you. our little show that we call the sit down. I like what it. Are you, what are you up to? Well, it's Friday night. You, I guess what were you up to before you started talking to us? Honestly, uh, I was pretty tired and I, if I wasn't talking to you, I'd probably want to go to bed, but uh, it's still early. So, you know, I had a latte and here we are. I'm back. I'm alive. Okay. So you're good for, oh, I'm hour? good. Okay. Oh, for sure. For sure. Just, I got my energy half, back. I got a second wind. Just halfway in the conversation, Justine gives me. Yeah. Okay, I'm out, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, in daylight savings, you guys don't have that, do you? No, and it's it's kind of a blessing, but also not because the rest of the country changes. So yeah. for, for us, it's the same way as for you. If you're trying to figure out something in Saskatchewan, you have to convert time. and then. That's, that's... so weird. So are you an hour ahead or behind us? right now behind so An then it's you. so it's seven o'clock yeah and you're ready for bed i know isn't that sad <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gigging anymore and i'm ready for bed at seven so i started having baths at two in the afternoon so <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> like literally <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well it gets dark around 4 30 here so yeah, I guess here too, yeah. So do you... Um... Pretty bad. Oh, there you are. Oh, okay. There. You, oh, you sorry, stopped guys. for a I second. Yeah. We got a glitch here somewhere when you said it uh, gets dark at 4.30. Yeah, it gets dark at 4.30. So if you have dinner, you're ready to go to bed by 5 <laughs> in my world. All <laughs> right. I can't, I can't laugh because I'm in bed right now, as you can see. This yeah. is where it sleeps. <laughs> right. oh, but, the, but, but you have an excuse. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. How was your surgery? You know what? Everything, it was successful. Everything went well. So now it's just a lot of uh, recuperating time. I'm not straying too far from the bed these days. So a lot of bed rest. I can move around with crutches and stuff. And I think getting in and out of the bed is the hardest part. Yeah. But... But yeah, no, I think I'm hopeful that it's all going to be well worth it. So, Man, yeah. cons considering that they they literally broke the biggest bone in your body, and yeah, so you're you're already on crutches, not even a week after. Eh. Yeah, so yeah, they like what happened was they cut my femur, and I forget the name of the surgery, a derotational osteomy or something like that. I think is what it's called. Essentially, my, my hips were twisted, and oh. what they did was they cut my femur and twisted my femur, put a rod in, and then pinned it in there to, like, twist my hips back. So then, yeah, and then when wow. the bone heals, then everything should be in alignment again. So, fun stuff. No Broken big deal. femur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? No big deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was That's telling crazy. Mark. I was telling Mark before, I was like, if I need to like reposition and I'm wincing, it's like, make sure you cut that out. I don't want to see like a, <laughs> a painful face on camera, but it is what it is. It's all yeah. good. 
That's good. Well, I'm glad you're recovering well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I definitely, I'm going to kick us off with your Instagram posts this week. Holy shit, did I laugh. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. Uh, I think that was awesome. Thank how, you. How many, like how long did that take you to do? Honestly, I just did it the other night. Uh, probably less than an hour to record it. I ended up um, with like 20 minutes of footage that I wanted to cut down, <laughs> which was really hard, really hard to cut that down. And okay, for, uh, for, for, hang on, for, for those of you who didn't see it, like this guy here, what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> shit got weird. <laughs> um, so our lovely friend, Matt Blaze, uh, he's a singer songwriter from Calgary and uh, he's a dear friend of mine and honestly one of the best humans I've met in a really long time. And uh, are we frozen or not frozen? It's hard for nope. me to tell. Nope. Are we no, good? no, I'm here. Okay. We're, we're just Technology. listening. Okay, yeah. cool. As, as, soon um, as, as soon as we hear the name Matt, it's like, what's going to happen? Everyone's like, <laughs> time, <Yeah>. time freezes <laughs> when you talk about Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, so Matt's such a good dude and, and honestly one of the best humans I've, I've met in a really long time. And uh, we've been getting to know each other and we've done some little gigs together and what have you. And uh, when you get to know someone and you have that, that close comfort and you start joking around, um, I don't know, you just learn things about people that maybe someone wouldn't know who follows him on Instagram or, or something like that. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Him and I have been talking about the fact that I've done some of his songs and covered them seriously. And and he's always like, oh, you, you do my songs better than me. And you should just take my name and sing my songs. And it just became this joke. And then one day we were talking and I was like, you know, what if this is like a comedy? Like, what if I just do a parody and dress like you and try to sound like you? And he's like, that would be hilarious. I'm like, I don't want to offend you. And he's like, no, that's going to be freaking hilarious. So basically I went to the dollar store on like Tuesday and bought some toques and bought uh, like a plastic microphone and I ran out to buy a harmonica and just thought <laughs> of everything possible that was reminiscent of Matt or things that represent Matt to me and uh, yeah I just like came home and tried to dress like him and I put a beard on my face and uh, tried my best to do some Matt Im impressions. <laughs> so. That was oh man I tell you that I laughed so hard even at like when you posted the bloopers up after I was cracking up at oh. that too like with the I harmonica honestly, like you couldn't even look at yourself in the mirror I couldn't I couldn't even look at myself and I told him I'm like I'm not even laughing at you I'm laughing at myself because this is so ridiculous I had such a fun time and I think we need that right now like the world is such a heavy place and I'm someone who takes life very seriously sometimes so I just thought you know I think we could use some more comedy and I just, I had a blast. It was so ridiculous. And I just laughed that whole night, like filming it and editing it. And I, you know, sent it to him late that night. And I was just like having a blast. So, so did, oh, yeah. yeah. Is this, is this all on the Instagram stories? Cause they're gone now, but it, is, yeah, maybe, is it, can maybe. I find that somewhere else? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe I should post it on my, my profile. Yeah. Make <laughs> It'll it, be make there it a permanently. YouTube, make it a YouTube video or something. Yeah, I should. Like, I have the files, so I should just upload it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was send, fun. Send me a couple, too, and I'll put it in a promo clip for this episode. Sure. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was funny. Uh, I even messaged him. I messaged him afterwards because I had seen he had commented on it. So I was like, oh, dude, like you got clapped back. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you should dress up like her and do so, like act like her and post that. <laughs> right. I don't think he will, though. He's like, why well, I wouldn't uh, know what to do. I said, it's easy. Just pop a bottle of wine and draw a bath. <laughs> literally, literally. Anyone that knows me knows that that's, that's my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was, I needed that too. You had me laughing pretty good the other day. So thank you for that. That was good. Oh, of course. I'm honestly, I'm so glad to hear that. And I had quite a few good responses from people and, and people saying that they really enjoyed it or that they needed it or that it made their day. And again, like, it's just such a different Thing for me to explore because I'm I'm not really a comedian or anything like that but um, I usually have people reaching out in terms of serious stuff like oh thanks for posting this because it meant this to me and, and that's really impactful too don't get me wrong but it was cool because like I said I, I just think things are really heavy right now and you can't even put on the tv without getting depressed anymore so um, right. comedy is is just as healing you know well, Twitter is getting to that point too, where, you know, you keep scrolling and it's always bad stuff. Well, a lot of it is bad stuff. And it's like, yeah, just something lighthearted is, is good for the soul every once in a while. Totally. I totally agree. Sorry. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure out my, uh, my microphone. Cause it looks like, um, zoom isn't switching to my face. Not that that is a bad thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. I got so I have, a, I have a glass of water and a glass of wine, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to sip from yet. <laughs> both? Both. Do, yeah. do both. Go, go <laughs> shot for shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Try to balance it out. What kind of wine are you drinking? Just some white wine. I find I love red, but my problem is the reds I buy are fairly expensive and they have a cork and the problem is I, I live alone so it doesn't taste as good the next day so then I have to drink the whole bottle and that's a problem so <laughs> I started buying some cheaper white wine with a screw cap so I can put it in my fridge and have leftovers and it doesn't taste terrible so that's the logic that's the wine logic um is there like so I'm not a big wine drinker at all so is there like white wine is typically for a specific like me doesn't it go with meals am i wrong right so like oh, you're if you're eating right. a certain thing you drink white wine and if you're drinking another or eating another thing you would then have red right so what's the difference when would you normally have white and then red <laughs> that's a really good question i wish i could say that with all certainty but i can't um i think white I, is I, good with like chicken and pork and like that kind of thing from what google has told me in the past uh <laughs> Red, I don't know. I I usually have red wine with like something Italian, like a like a heavier pasta or something like that. But then again, I but, just love red wine. <laughs> and then there's also a difference between red wines, I believe. Like Yeah, it's a huge spectrum of wines. Yeah. I used to work in a liquor store way back. Oh, cool. But I I forget all of that. Do you drink wine, Mark? No. No. Well, I shouldn't say it. It depends on on which wine it is, I guess. But uh, in generally, no, no. Depends <laughs> on how many beers you had first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, Start. you know who does drink wine, Matt. 
as you can see <laughs> no, in the does video. He, does he? <laughs> yeah, he does. I think he drinks everything though. But <laughs> what, put, whatever's put given in front of that guy, and he'll drink it. <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever's given to him, he'll drink it. Yes. Pretty much, yeah. So, okay, I'm a, I gonna keep the topic on Matt here a little bit longer is sure. I watched the the Jim Beam thing and I noticed that Matt was playing guitar for you there right yeah so like when how, how does that work like are you guys just acquaintances and you help each other out or are you guys like is he legit the guitar player of your band or like how does that work yeah great question um so I'm from Ontario and I moved here to Calgary about a year ago and I knew a handful of artists and Matt was not one of them we actually ended up playing a show about a year ago on the same bill and that's when we met and we didn't really become that close of friends really we just kind of kept in contact on like social media and whatever you know you just network and you meet people so right. this year I totally forgot that I applied to the Jim Beam uh, national talent search it's just the year of COVID and you just I don't know you get emails and you apply to stuff and you forget <laughs> so they contacted me and they were like, hey, you're a finalist. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I don't really remember even applying, but great. <laughs> so they changed it this year because typically they, they do like a battle of the bands in person and they have like different bands perform at a local bar. And I guess the winners get to perform in like the next year's Canadian Music Week or whatever. Um, huge like event in Toronto so this year it was quite different because of COVID right so they were like well we can't have people performing in bars it just wasn't happening anymore they canceled all the shows so they decided to go virtual which meant that we got to record a music video like live off the floor at the National Music Center here in Calgary which is pretty awesome and uh, yeah I literally was like okay so do I want to do this solo or do I want to do this as a band and I do a lot of solo stuff and it's fine. And I've done it for close to 10 years now, but I think there's just something different about the energy of a band and, and doing something with, with a band live is fun. So I posted it on Facebook and I was like, hey, does anyone wanna uh, like play for this gig? And most people from Calgary, if you tell them it, you're doing anything at uh, the National Music Center or Studio Bell, it's, it's a well, it's a really well-known venue. And uh, they also have like the Canadian Hall of Fame and just really cool exhi exhibits at this place too. So I guess it's an exciting thing if you're a local here. Uh, but Matt was like the first person who was like, oh, I'll do it. And I was like, cool. So essentially I, I hired him to like be my guitar player. And then he introduced me to his best friend, Sean Peters, who is on bass and he's an awesome guy too. And uh, yeah, ever since then, like, I was just like, oh my God, like, how have we not been friends before? And it really just kind of brought us together in, in a year and in a time where there's so much separation and division. And uh, yeah, we just became like really close friends after that. That's awesome. Yeah. So are you guys like, like, because you guys did so well together, do you think, is there going to be more of that? Do you think like you guys playing so. together again? <laughs> I would hope yeah. so. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I've covered some of his songs just because I, I genuinely love his music so much. Like I listen to every genre and I haven't heard a record like his in a really long time. And I know that you guys have heard his music as well. 
Um, yep. It's very, very much uh, reminiscent of stuff I grew up on. Like my parents always listened to rock and roll and um, it just kind of reminded me. It was almost nostalgic in a way. It's just like, oh, this is like really just genuinely good music. And it wasn't overproduced and the quality was great and lyrically it was great. And uh, yeah, so I've covered some of his stuff and he's like, oh, you should record it or like do it at a live show. And uh, yeah, like there's talks of, of doing stuff in the future for sure. His, cool. uh, his, his music always reminds me of uh, the Harpoonist. Um, Harpoonist and uh, Axe Murder. Have you ever heard of him? No. You should look him up because it, it has a Matt Blaze vibe. Oh yeah. If you like if you like Matt's music, you'll you'll enjoy the harpoonist too. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yep. So have okay, in the time of COVID, like all this this crappy year that we've been going through, has there been a lot of like have you had a chance to get a lot of writing done and like planning for like where you're gonna go in your career and where you'll take it when like COVID is not necessarily over, but like when the pandemic is over? It's a really good question. I've definitely done some writing, but to be honest with you, like my writing is something that's just coming back. So as a bit of a quick backstory, like moving across the country last year uh, was very significant for me. And I'm someone who was always a writer from the time I was a kid. So it's something that I identified with and it was just always a part of me. So um, living in Toronto for about three years and networking and doing a music program and just like really getting lost in the middle of the industry came with a lot uh, professionally and, and personally and it ended up kind of chewing me up and spitting me out. <laughs> so uh, within the past, I would say, I don't know, a couple of years, like I ended up walking out of that feeling really drained, really uninspired and just depleted. Uh, and a huge part of trying to recover was moving to Calgary because I knew like a handful of artists. So I knew I wasn't going to be alone. And it just felt like the fresh start that I needed. Like my intention was like, okay, cool. I got to get out of here and get, get out of some toxic situations and write and record and like, let's get the show back on the road. So this year for me was going to be like that anyways. And the pandemic just kind of added to that, if that makes any sense. Because I think a lot of people were, I feel, uh, or at least I was around a lot of people that were really grinding and they were at their peak and everything was moving forward. Whereas like I was at a, at a point where a lot of people are at right now, where they're reflecting on their life and they're trying to figure out how to move forward. Um, but I was already doing that. So I think, I think the pandemic just makes me feel less alone in that process. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm like, wow, people finally know what it feels like to feel really lost. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm someone who's always kind of like <clears throat> known what my path is and what I feel um, my purposes or whatever, like music's always been my number one and I've always been a writer and I've always been a performer and this has always been my identity. And when I lost that, I was like, what am I doing with my life? You know? So yeah, yeah, it, you, you didn't have something to fall back on kind of thing. 
Yeah. I mean, and even if I did, cause like I do graphic design and I do a lot of visual art and I make jewelry and I have all these creative things, but there's just something inside me that doesn't feel complete. Just doesn't feel right. right. When yeah, I, I when I don't do music. I saw your, uh, your Etsy store. Oh, it's cool. uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting stuff. I might, I might have to do some gift shopping or something. What, awesome. what is that? Is that like jewelry? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I also, I, I never post about it, but I also do a lot of like men's bracelets. Um, Matt has a lot of them. <laughs> I was just Matt about to say, is that, where, is, is that where Matt gets all of them? Yeah, he, he's got some cool jewelry from me that nice. I've made. Um, I should really sell more <laughs> men's bracelets. I My store online is like a lot of just feminine uh, I used to, jewelry. I used, I used to wear bracelets all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know what well, we got to make that come back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, like this year has been a lot for everyone. And I just feel like um, as lame as it may be to say, like, I just feel less alone because it's like, I'm not the only one that's not doing gigs. Nobody's doing gigs. <laughs> and, and it's not that I don't want people to do gigs, but it's just like, it gives everyone the sense that I had for the past couple of years of just being torn up about the industry and what my right. experience was. So I feel like in a way I have more support now because everyone knows how shitty it feels. <laughs> and, and also like returning to music feels so much better too, because even doing this Jim Beam thing, like I was just so happy to be back on a stage <laughs> Like it had been so long and I just felt like, oh yeah, just all kind of naturally came back. And I was like, yeah, I can do this because for a while I was, you know, just questioning myself like every artist does at some point on their journey. Yeah. So this, this Jim Beam thing is, you said you applied for it yourself and then what? Is it, how do they do, how do they go to, through the process of, you know, picking the final artist? Because you won in the, in the local, how, yeah. how did that work? Yeah, so um, you do apply, I guess it's very similar to applying for a grant or anything else. Like you have to send in like a bio and, and some stuff about your past and what you've done and some recordings and maybe some videos and that kind of thing. Mm. And a ton of people apply, right? Like this is Canada wide. So they have so much stuff to sift through. And yeah. I guess essentially they end up picking five like a top five in eight cities across the country and then those five this year got to like record a music video and uh they did like a virtual tour which is cool instead of doing everything in person this year so yeah and then people vote so it was open for like three weeks and i was just like promote 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 like it was open to online voting and it was unreal to see so many people supporting like it blew my mind because I forgot that I mean I'm not from here right so it's pretty unreal when I have family back in Ontario or in Newfoundland or in Vancouver like showing their support like to see it kind of spread like that is really awesome for it's sure really cool oh yeah yeah Sweet. um so um the as for the prize you you got to record a video 
it was there anything else that was like did you get money i mean i, I don't need to know how much money you got if you did get money but you know <laughs> is is there is there something else attached to that aside from the video like a, re a recording maybe or yeah recording deal i don't know yeah so i didn't even know what the winning situation was going to be so essentially they have one winner out of the entire country for the grand prize which is to go perform uh, in Toronto at this big music festival, obviously it's next year because this year it's not happening, um, <laughs> unfortunately. So that's the Canadian Music Week Festival and basically they get like a, a spot on one of the main stages. Um, and they also get, um, I don't think it's a cash prize. I think it's like a Long and McQuaid music um, gift card, but it's like a fairly significant amount of money uh, mm. to put towards music. And what I didn't realize was that they do have winners for each region. So we were very lucky to, to win the region of Calgary, which is really awesome. And there was a little bit of money, but not a ton of money. Um, and yeah, the video and the recording, like usually music videos, I've done music videos in the past, they're very expensive to do. So, I mean, it wasn't a loss for me at, at all because I mean, yeah. I got to show up and go to the National Music Center and, and do a video. So, I mean, it wasn't a loss at all for me anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't really know, to be honest with you, what they're going to do with the rest of the regional winners. Like, I think some of us may be invited to this music festival. I'm not really sure. So creating that music video, was it just show up, run through the song a couple times and done? Or... Pretty much, yeah. I mean, really? the only oh. thing that was different was that there was COVID precautions, right? So we had right. to sign so many releases, um, basically just stating that, you know, we have to wear a mask up until we're like literally on the stage in our positions and the cameras start rolling, uh, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, we were measured, like we had to be... <laughs> like the six feet apart on stage and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, that was the only thing that was different really. Was all the equipment that was used, that was all like your guys' own, like your own equipment? So we brought our own equipment in terms of instruments, but um, at the National Music Center, they wanted to display some of their items as well. So there was cool stuff in the background. Like they always have amazing pianos and stuff like that. So some of it, wasn't ours right it's just kind of like a cool cool backdrop i think was it a like a whole an all day kind of thing or a half day or like how long were you there for um it's funny i was just going to mention we showed up at eight o'clock in the morning uh so it was an early gig for us i guess because they only have a certain amount of time to do the five bands and they spread it uh within a couple days span so yeah we showed up at eight we did a, like a load in, we had to check in with people, get some passes, like pretty high security, um, make sure all of our release forms were signed, all that kind of stuff. And then we set up and then we did some sound checks, tried to get some levels mixed. And then we went into the studio after as well to like, just hear back some of our takes and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I would say it was like half a day. Like we were out of there by, by noon, really. So Joel and I usually, when, when some, like, like a topic that, like this comes up, we usually go into a little bit of detail, like who, in this case, who would own that video? 
you know, is it, is it owned by whoever produced it or is it because of it's your song? So do you own it? Do you get a copy of the original video? How does that work? Yeah. Or Jim Beam owns yeah. it now. <laughs> sponsor me. Um, <laughs> every time I see Jim Beam now, I'm like, you should sponsor me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a great I'll, question. I'll, I'll drop the wine. I'll drink Jim Beam from now on. Yeah. Everywhere I go, Jim Beam. <laughs> um, no, it's honestly, that's a, such a great question, Mark, because, well, as we know in the music industry, things can be tricky in terms of legalities and contracts and that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. Fortunately, in this case, uh, I was given copies of the video to use as I wish. So it's on my YouTube, it's on my Instagram. Like obviously when the voting was open, like we were encouraged to tag them and that kind of thing. But in terms of ownership, like I, I definitely have a copy and, and it's, it's mine to share. So that's a positive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I can, I can, you know, think of scenarios where they go like, well, we recorded it. So it's all ours now. Like the song is yours, happen. but the video is mine. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know I've, why this is always such a struggle in the music industry. Like I understand that they're, that, you know, money has to be made and I know things have to be on paper, but I always feel that the artists get the shit out on the stick kind of thing. I, I agree with that too. I feel like it's so the industry's pretty crooked. And I yeah. don't know if that's because of the number of parties involved, you know, like you have the artist, you have the producer, you have the writer, you have the, the guy that mixes the stuff, you, the, the, the people that store the data. I don't know. You know, there's a whole bunch of people that need to get paid and then it gets so diluted that the artist is usually the one, the last one to get paid, which I don't think is fair, but. For sure, especially when you're an independent artist and you're going up against these major companies and you know that they're multi-million dollar companies. Yeah. Uh, like at the end of the day, like I, I know that people do have to show up and, you know, there's there's video guys that flew in and, and that kind of thing. And they don't necessarily represent Jim Beam and they're not hired by Jim Beam. But at the same time, like there's a lot of sponsors that are involved in this kind of thing too, right? So like... At the end of the day, I, I, I agree with you because for artists, you know, copyrights are important and ownership is important. Royalties are important mm -hmm. because these days that's where you're making your money because guess what? We can't tour right now <laughs> yeah. and Spotify is paying you 0. 0.00000, you know, one yeah. uh, per stream. And it's not like it used to be. I Like when I re recorded and put out my first single in 2014 i made money on itunes because people paid 99 cents at that time so it yeah. was easy for me to like put out my first song ever and actually make a couple hundred bucks easily like within the first couple yeah. months and that doesn't happen anymore so i mean revenue streams are really tricky to figure out so yeah it's it's tough and when you enter these kinds of things you're right 
a lot of the times there's fine print and there's contracts and you really have to look out for yourself because as much as the exposure of a lot of these things is great. Like at the end of the day, exposure doesn't pay your bills either. Right. So that's right. That's right. I'm, I'm my, my background is in web design and I get a lot of that too. Like, Oh, can you build this website for us? You you'll get lots of exposure. Yeah, that's fine. But that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't pay my mortgage. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. that's the thing that they try to sell to artists all the time. And that's, it's yeah. been like that for a long time. Like as long as yeah. I can remember, especially in the digital age. Right. It's like, it's, it's not the record label thing anymore. It, now it's like, well, exposure we can give yeah. you exposure it's like well everyone has exposure now in the palm of their hand really yep. yeah exactly so. exactly right like you've got do you find that you've got a lot more control net like in 2020 than you would have in 2015 maybe like control yeah. what, what i mean you know what i mean right like in in ownership i guess i would say yeah and and it's it's the exposure thing too. Like with this with social media, you can <laughs> expose yourself. <laughs> uh, I expose myself too much on social media. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean, right? It's like you don't need a label. You don't need another company to to give you that exposure. You can do it yourself. If you have an Instagram account, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you can you can get your followers. Uh, uh, that way so you don't need an, uh, a third party to to give you that extra promotion so I don't know it seems all a little backwards nowadays but yeah and, no I totally agree I guess if you uh, if you release a record on vinyl that's where a little bit of money comes in yeah I think that for, I think sure. I think you're you're let's say you have like Matt has we have Matt's records here um I have uh, one too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, you you can make a little bit of money by selling a record. Yeah, it's it's harder to sell a record than you know somebody clicks on Spotify and and go. But when it does sell, you actually make some money on it. So yeah, that's, for sure. That's why I'm in the record business and not so much in the streaming business. Yeah, I think merch is still a huge part of artists' revenue streams these days, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the whole social media thing, like for me, I treat, I treat social media as just this authentic channel. Like it's not a place where I pretend to be anything else. Like it, I find people on Instagram and they, they seem to stick with me, not everybody, but I mean, I've been on Instagram since it started, which was quite a long time ago. And there's people that have been following my life and the ups and downs over the years. And it's really awesome to like, build those connections because I think that's what it should be about like if you're going to connect over art or you're going to connect over a loss of some sort in your life um that's what life is right like there's no such thing as like an overnight su success and if there is like it kind of dies down so these promises of like exposure and promises of whatever label making you big I mean it's like how much authenticity is is bleeding through into that right because yeah. once you start dealing with a team of people that aren't necessarily your chosen team of people like from what i've seen they kind of have control creative control of who right. they want you to well, that's, and that's that's, that's never exactly like um was that last week did you guys see that thing that dave Chappelle put out the unspoken video no no 
Oh man, you guys gotta look that up. It might be on YouTube now, but there was like there was a lot of comedians that were blasting it a week or two ago. So it's about almost twenty minutes long, but it, he's telling the story of like when he signed the deal of the Chappelle Show to Comedy Central, and how like now you can watch stream it on HBO and Netflix. And what he likes about, like, um, spoiler alert here, you guys, but I suggest that you go out and watch <laughs> La, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really suggest you go out and watch it because it's really talking about, he's telling the story of the incidents of, like, what you're saying is how the industry took, like, everything from him, right? It's his name. It was his show. It's everything. They made it sound good. He signs the deal. Now it's, you can get it for free on HBO and Netflix, and he doesn't get a red cent for it. So essentially, he's asking you to not watch it. Like, don't go and stream the show is what he's saying in it. And he actually asked Netflix to take it down and they did. So it was it's not even on Netflix anymore. Like, he's like, that's why Netflix kicks ass, because they know that I'm right. Like, like, I say, yeah, go check it out. It's called uh, Unforgiven, I think is what it was called. And it's Dave Chappelle. It's about 18 minutes long. Awesome story, though. So good. Wow. But it just goes to show, like, that he was, like, he's talking about how, like, when he, do you guys remember, like, when he left the show and everyone was saying he was crazy and all that crap going on, that he was on drugs and everything? And he addresses that, too. And he was like, there was nothing wrong with me at all. He's like, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. He's like, I do now because you guys drove me to that insanity. <laughs> nope. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but I believe but it. now. Oh, for sure. And now he's got the power to knock on Netflix's door and be like, can you stop airing that? And they're like, yeah, for sure. We'll take it down. Hmm. So it's like a big like, F you to the industry. Yeah. Awesome story. I suggest you check it out, but that's the kind of world that we're in. Like that's was... the shit that COVID's bringing out, right? Like you're getting yep. more of that creative control. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was, I was never a Dave Chappelle fan. So I, I kind of ignored whatever he said, but yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at it. It's a good story. Definitely. It sounds like it. Yeah. Like for me, I think at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. You gotta like, when you go to bed and you have those final thoughts of the night, like you gotta be good with yourself. Yeah. And I I think that's so, so important. And I mean, it's just like, is it really worth it? I mean, I get that people want to be famous or or they want to be known or they want to be seen or loved or whatever and and you know this has been around for so many years like this is not new the industry has changed a lot but this whole idea of like signing on the dotted line this goes back a long time yeah and i think everyone's craving some authentic art these days i think and i find a lot of a lot of that is in this indie world it's not the the top 40 music that's changing people's lives, I don't think. There's nothing wrong with top 40 music. Like there's a there's a time and a place for it, right? But I think there's a lot of great artists out there that don't have a major label behind them. I'm trying to think if I can name five songs out of the top 40 right now. I don't think I can even. No. And they all started to sound the same, right? Yeah. Like, I love I love putting on the radio or even just letting my Spotify go sometimes when I'm getting ready for the day or whatever. And I hear a really distinct voice and you know who it is because you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's a really cool artist. And, and it's, 
their identity stands out. I like that because there's just yeah. so much music out there right now. And you're like, oh, I thought it was this person because it sounds exactly the same. Yeah, right. I have yeah. I have that with uh, with country country artists all like I mean, of course, there are uh, exceptions, but especially female country artists. Yeah, they, they all sound the same as long as they're on the radio. Like the if you have the the more indie indie, well, the more indie uh, country artists, those you can kind of, you know, they have a, a more distinctive voice, but apparently not enough for radio because you don't hear them on the radio. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I Do you if, think that's if, like a, a production touch to it? Like, so like somebody who's indie, a country singer who's indie is like, sounds a little different and then gets signed to a label and then the producer's like, oh, you know, chiseling away at their art and then make it sound more mainstream do you think that's happening there could be because the um you know all the country music is coming from nashville and Mm -hmm. everybody in nashville knows everybody in nashville so i'm guessing a lot of producers listen to each other and and like each other's productions and pick up on things and that's just becoming one big mash of the same same old same old now and but if you have if you have we have country country artists in saskatchewan a lot of them like we had uh chris henderson for example he does not sound like a nashville artist which i like because you know i'm and i'm not a not a country fan but it sounds like an artist but you mean like a country (laughs) like a typical country singer is what yeah you mean right yeah 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 so I don't know. I, I think it has something to do with Nashville itself, not so much with country, but more with the music that's coming out of Nashville and going to the radio. That all sounds the same. Yeah, this is why I'm glad I'm not in country either, because yeah. I kind of just am in my own lane. And even yeah. here in Calgary, like the country scene is tough. It's super competitive. And I when bet, it comes yeah. to country radio, it's almost impossible to get on almost impossible yeah i don't know yeah. my wife is a country fan and whenever she listens to country radio it's like who's this and then she names a name because well usually she doesn't name a name because she doesn't know who the artist is <laughs> but they, they yeah they they all most of them sound the same and then every once in a while there's a there's a voice in there that is different and then it's usually a 90s country artist yeah because I love nineties. I love the nineties yeah, jams. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Nineties uh, yeah, jams all day. <laughs> like I grew up on Jagged Little Pill, you know? Like that's the oh, stuff yeah. that I like. Oh, I love that. That's that's Al Morris. It's <laughs> just so good. But you that know was... I was just gonna say, like, on this topic of, of country radio and stuff. And just the, the industry in general, I just think it's becoming really formulaic, right? And it's just like, I don't like that at all. Like as a songwriter, as someone who is like pretty much born a songwriter and always wrote about my feelings and processed things and it was always this cathartic, meaningful thing. It's just like showing up with a formula to write a hit song, there's something about it that just doesn't sit right for me <laughs> personally. Like. But that's that's been happening for cent well uh, not centuries because that's a little long but you know decades <laughs> decades for sure for but, sure uh, like Motown 
that's when it all yeah. started. They had yep. they had a formula. They pushed out the songs, all the same. Well, they pretty know much it works. the same. They know what yep. sells. You know. Yeah, exactly. So we keep and doing I, the same thing. I get thing. it. Totally, yep. and it's like you said, it's a business, right? And I get it, but at the same time, like I I think my artist self is just like I want some. I'm craving some good music. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When you come across a Matt Blaze, you're like, this is good shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. My my daughter just walks by with a the whole bag of chips and she she's tiptoeing because she wants to be quiet. <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> anyway. Um so Wait, yeah, you, I have sorry, go ahead, Mark. Go, no go. I was gonna ask you, so what is your process of writing? Like when you get those feelings or is it like, how can I word this? Like is something specific that happens to you in your life and then it just triggers an emotion and then it's like, oh, I need to put that down on paper and that's where it starts. Or is it kind of like, do you hear like, do you get like a melody or a tune in your head and then it, you, it branches out from there or both? Like, is it all of the above? Yeah, it's all of the above. It's It's honestly both. There are times when I have just like, a really specific melody idea in my head and it's hard to articulate it but I always try to like you know run to my phone and get my voice notes or grab my guitar it, it depends um but lately I'm, I'm really struggling with melodies and I think it's because we hear so many of them all the time and it's hard to not replicate what you hear subconsciously right so I think once you write songs for 10 years you're just like man my melody part of my brain is running a little dry uh so I would consider myself to always be writing lyrics. Like I'm always thinking about things and pro processing things and um, whether it's something I'm experiencing with my emotions or just stuff I'm witnessing or someone else I know is going through, like there's always something to write about. Like I, I don't have a problem finding stuff to talk about or stuff to write about. I've, I've always have a lot going in my head. Uh, like I'm a fairly analytical person and I, I like to think about things and have deep thoughts and that kind of stuff. So in terms of lyric writing, I mean, I have so many ideas, but I, I, yeah, have been struggling with melodies lately, but you know, honestly, there's times when it'll both come out of me and I'll write a song in five minutes and that ends up being the final song that I bring in into record. It's right. kind of weird. Like sometimes I'll just have lyrics and sit down with my guitar and I don't know how it goes together but it does um right. i wish that happened more than it does but sometimes that does happen do you ever take take lyrics and you, you look at them it's like i can't find a melody for this and then you just send the document to another artist and they can come up with a melody for you that's kind of where i'm at right now honestly like i've never really been a big co-writer there's nothing wrong with co-writing. I'm trying to stay open to it. I know it's really big in the country field because a lot of my country friends co-write all the time. Like mm -hmm. a lot of them don't write their own stuff. But as someone who's like always written 100% of my own stuff, I have a hard time uh, with co-writes sometimes. Coming from the perspective of like lyrics or trying to describe a particular emotion I'm feeling or a particular experience, it's hard sometimes for people to say what you feel if that makes sense. But if I come from, like, if I'm trying to explain a, a certain, you know, situation that happened and, and someone didn't experience it, they may not say it in the way that I would say it. So I think that's why I've had problems with um, co-writing. But if I approach it with what you just suggested and I show up with lyrics and, and a story and maybe show up 
with someone else who has like really strong melody ideas, then maybe we could have a successful co-write. Yeah, that'd be cool. Very cool. Yeah. I don't write melodies, so I can't help you, but. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you moved to Calgary last year, you said? Yeah, it was last September, at the very end of September of uh, 2019. Yeah. Shit, right before COVID. Well, that's the thing. So I show up here, it was basically October, right? And a couple months go by, my family flew out from Ontario. We had Christmas together. That's the last time I saw them. And we had a great time in the mountains. We went out to Banff and we just stayed out like literally in the middle of mountains. It was awesome. Um, January rolled around. I flew back to Toronto for a couple things. And then I came back in February and the next thing, you know, like a month later, all this stuff goes down. I signed with like a local booking agency. So I started getting some gigs and everything just tanked. Right. <laughs> and wow. I was like, huh, this kind of sucks. And also like, I was starting to get some, like I said, local gigs, like meeting other artists. And it's a very, it's a very tight knit circle here. It's, it's almost like a small town. Like it reminds me of where I'm from in Ontario. Like it's a city, but like the core group of artists, like everybody kind of knows everybody. So it doesn't really take long to become acquainted with people. So, I mean, I did a lot of legwork in that time, but it just kind of sucks that the pandemic hit just as I was starting to make all these connections and hang out with these people and whatever get these gigs and get my name out there locally because here I'm across the country right so people don't know me yeah. here yeah. <laughs> like I'm starting from ground zero and building relationships with venues and and this kind of thing right and when the pandemic happened like I'm not as fortunate as someone who's from here to get those odd social distancing shows because I don't have those relationships yet so it's been challenging for sure yeah I, I was actually going to ask about that. What's the coolest thing about Calgary that you've discovered, but probably you didn't discover too much yet. Uh, you know, it's surprising how much I, I did discover in such a short amount of time before the pandemic. Like I'm really okay. glad that when I came out here, like um, I stayed with my friend's mom for a couple months before I found a place. And we went on a lot of like day trips and we drove around and she showed me the ropes and, and it was good to just have someone to explore with for a couple months before I felt a little bit more grounded and, and settled, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I have experienced quite a bit here. The weirdest thing though, is that there have been moments here, but right before the pandemic, I would say about this time last year, um, people fly out here a lot from Toronto. So I was at a venue here called the King Eddie and it's like a restaurant bar. And it's a very popular venue for artists. And every time I go there, I, I see people I know. And there was one night in particular where people flew out from Toronto, like industry people that I know. And I was also in this room of people of artists that some of them I met in Toronto, some of them I, I knew and met here in Calgary. And I was just looking around and I was like, I'm across the country and I know more people in this room right now than I would know back in Toronto. Like it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre because in Toronto, it's a huge city, right? And, and people don't really congregate in the same way. And there's just something about the community here. I don't know, like when there's a big event going on, like everyone's there. 
that's got to be a good feeling though right like that's a good feeling though it's like man I'm I'm in the right spot like I'm where I need to be right now right yeah 100% and I think I really needed that because honestly I haven't felt that in a really long time because even if I go back to my hometown or I go back to somewhere like Toronto it's like I don't necessarily get that feeling anymore so to feel that somewhere new is is pretty special really like it made me feel exactly like what you just said it's made me feel like I am where I'm supposed to be right now and um I don't know how long I'm supposed to be here but I feel like with the experiences I've had here so far even through a pandemic the people that I've met uh have been really significant on on my journey in many ways and I just kind of feel like yeah I'm supposed to be here as hard as as it is I mean my entire family lives in Ontario so it's hard this year it's it's especially hard because you know the holidays are coming up and uh, I don't think anyone's going to be able to travel this year. So it's, it's really challenging at, at times, but at the same time, like, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy, that's really the top priority. Cause then one day I'll be able to go back and maybe I can go back with some of my, my friends that I've made in Alberta and we can tour in Ontario and that that'll be another full circle moment, you know? Yeah, For sure. I, yeah. I know how you feel because I was uh, uh, imported from Holland here and my, my parents and friends and family are still back there. Um, wow. So I, I know, I know how you feel, but I also know how you feel when, you know, that, that moment hits where um, you walk around town here or in the, in Prince Albert, which is a, a, a city close to here and people start to recognize you. And I mean, I'm not a singer or anything, but you know, people will say, <laughs> Hey Mark, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. It's pretty cool. cool, right? Yeah. And then um uh yeah, so I I I kind of understand what you're feeling. I have a family and I understand you're by yourself. So that's that's a little bit different. But sure. um But you yeah. get the gist of it. I mean, you know what it's yeah. like to pack up and leave and you basically have nothing. <laughs> yep. You know. Yep. It's, it's not an easy path, but I've done it a couple times like um I'm from Northern Ontario and, and I've lived in Montreal alone. I've lived in Toronto alone. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I live in Calgary alone. I mean, I've done it. You know, I, I've done it to kind of pursue my career and, and different opportunities and, and that kind of thing. But honestly, like out of all the places I've lived, I think this is the, the most special place that I've lived in this. This has been, uh, yeah, like I said, a really significant place to meet people that I feel are kind of on my wavelength. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get that very often. I've met a lot of people, traveled to a lot of places and you don't always meet your people, <laughs> unfortunately. No. And Cal- Calgary in itself is a cool city, I think. Um, my wife has family there and we, we stay there uh, occasionally, at least, usually at least once a year. Um, so yeah, it's not like I know the city or anything, but I, you know, the, the times I've been there, it's a, uh, I like it. Yeah, me too. I think I figured it out pretty quickly, which is nice because when I first got here, I was really overwhelmed and I didn't know where anything was. Yeah. Uh, it helped too that I did, I did like travel here and I visited here beforehand, like before I just up and moved. So that helped right. a bit. But I think I've done pretty well considering, considering the year. <laughs> There's Google Maps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
what do you have anything planned for the holidays with the family like i'm assuming that it's going to be like zoom calls right with people yeah i i just started mailing some stuff um canada post is my life right now <laughs> um <laughs> which is pretty expensive to be honest with you but uh oh, i'm not I know. sending that <laughs> oh yeah uh <laughs> love you Canada Post but wow um it's a lot it's a lot um yeah I'm just sending like little stocking stuffers and like you can always do you know e-gift cards now like my mom's birthday is at the end of December and Christmas is happening and so I might just start doing some stuff online to be honest with you um but we send cards like I love snail mail I love getting a card in the mail it's nice (laughs) I saw actually I saw that that was on your stories right that you sent one a while ago to a friend of yours in the states and they yeah. just got it or something yeah totally okay. i like it i try to keep that alive it's just like a personal touch and i mean we all talk on uh you know instagram or we do voice memos or we call and whatever but it's i don't know there's something about a handwritten note or a, a card or whatever it's, it's just kind of nice you know what i i couldn't agree more with you like i i don't remember i remember back in like grade i think it was like grade six they we the whole class we had done like a pen pal thing with so, kids so in that vagina. Was, that was twenty five years ago for you then. Is that how long ago that was? <laughs> I don't, how how old is somebody in grade six? Thirteen? Twelve ish? Twelve, thirteen? I don't know. Or eleven. I was definitely eleven turning twelve. But it depends so, yeah. when your birthday is. My birthday is in the fall. I usually try to calculate it. Grade plus four ish is age. Grade. So 10, 10, 11. Yeah. Anyways, what I was getting at was, was that we had done a, (laughs) you know, like a pen pal kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Grade six math. Um, But yeah, like, and I remember writing letters to like this other school in Regina done a pen pal kind of thing there that was always fun getting letters from like even though then with strangers but you got to know them you know and then my auntie my auntie was a pretty big storyteller and she would randomly uh write us like 10 page letters that was always fun to get those in the mail but i I totally oh yeah like it was like she would write a whole freaking story that she would just make and she would use us as characters in the story. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That reminds then, me so- of t- like today, I literally got um, one of my like great aunts in Newfoundland. She writes an annual Christmas poem about the year. And I got it in the mail today. And I was so excited because it's very similar to that. Like she'll write about whatever happened in the year in like this really nice condensed poem and everything rhymes. And uh, I don't know. I just it's cool it's like a christmas letter you get every year so for this for sure. year it was it was a pretty short poem then it COVID really sucks. was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we were basically in a bubble this year yeah and you know yeah it was actually pretty short <laughs> huh. uh, but it's cool I, I look forward to it every year I, I i read an article it must have been a couple of days ago about uh some prisons in the u.s still have pen pal programs going hmm. so that so that you know the inmates are, are are not as lonely i guess so trick man they all got like cell phones now they're on tiktok in jail <laughs> oh hell yeah 
Oh Not my supposed god. To. No, they got them. You can find them on TikTok for sure. They probably I, eat I, better I, now too. I remember before everyone used to say like, "Oh, they eat they eat plain bread and peanut butter and jam." And I'm like, "Okay." And they probably eat like queens at, at this point, I think. <laughs> I well, if, if if you don't like peanut butter on on your bread, don't go to jail. <laughs> What if you're allergic? <laughs> Maybe that's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> then you just die in jail. Like that's your punishment. It's peanut butter. Oh, I, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say something really bad. You were going to say let them die in jail? Yeah. I think it depends on the offense. Save, save some taxpayers money. <laughs> but you can't say that. Yeah. There's still, so I, there's so some, I didn't. I think there's a lot of people in jail that probably shouldn't or don't need to be in there. Like the marijuana charges. Isn't there like a lot of people doing a lot of time for like having an ounce of pot? Is that yeah, still going on? Apparently right? like that's, that's a bigger offense than uh, something murder? in our eyes. Well, probably not that, but, <laughs> but I, I, I think, ah, whatever. This is one of those debates that you can go on about forever the, about yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no. no i just i yeah i don't know let's change the topic i suppose <laughs> <laughs> this is downhill from here <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this isn't going anywhere good <laughs> <laughs> well it was nice talking to you guys see you later <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so are you you're are you writing on a regular basis now? I mean, you're a singer-songwriter, so you are, but are you working yeah. on like an album or an EP or is that something I, not on your mind at all? I still feel like I don't write as much as I used to. And I still really struggle with that. Um, I think the more you overthink it, the worse it is because then it stops coming to you naturally, right? So lyrics come to me all the time so I would say if not every day every second day I could definitely just I'm always jotting down lyrics um I don't always take time to like make full songs at this point which kind of sucks and I feel like I probably should work on some full-length songs I mean ideally I would love to put out another record and love to put out another EP and this kind of thing um, it's also very expensive and I'm trying to figure out who my next producers should be in that kind of thing. So my focus should really just be on writing and like, just keep writing. I think for a while when I got really down and I just kind of lost inspiration, I got really overwhelmed with trying to find a new producer and trying to find, um, the right group of people to work with on the next project. Cause that's a stressful thing. Like if you're not paired up with the right people, it's not a good scene. Uh, and it's really just, it's hard on you as an artist. If you work with people that don't have your best interests at heart. And I think I was kind of in a situation like that. So, um, but then again, if you just focus on that, you're never going to get anything done. So I'm trying to not focus on like finding the right people and just trying to take it as it comes. I have a hard time sitting down and, and forcing things to come out. I'm someone who just kind of is trying to let things flow right now as right. much as I can. Yeah. And if I, if I compare, like I said, I'm not a musician or anything, but I, I am a web designer. So I, I know that if there's 
you know, if, if I have to force myself to design something, then all of a sudden this big wall just builds itself up and then nothing's going to happen because there's that huge block in front of you. And then I just say, fuck it, I'll do something else. And then, <laughs> exactly. You know, and yeah. then usually, um, usually when I, after doing something completely different, then all of a sudden the, the inspiration comes back and it's like, oh, I got this now. And then you whip up a website in an afternoon, for example. Exactly. I think it's a flow. I'm trying to see it as a flow. It's hard when you're trying to get stuff done and be productive, but when you, it's, that's exactly it. When you put that pressure on yourself or when you start to think everyone's putting that pressure on you, or you're comparing yourself to other people getting stuff done, it's not, it's not good for your mental health and it's not good for your creativity. You know, that's the stuff that blocks your creativity. So you're right. The minute you start doing something else or the minute you stop obsessing about it is like when you make enough space in your brain for things to flow. So I'm trying to take that approach as hard as it is. Like I would love to be spitting out songs all day long and, you know, making a new record and putting stuff out. But at the same time, I, I also feel that this year is, is hard to be inspired by stuff because there's so much chaos going on. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I've written stuff this year, but at the same time, like I definitely have my days where I'm like, man, how do you find inspiration during these times? Like it's, it's right. tough. If you're focused on everything that's going on outside of you, it's easy to get bogged down. Have you right? written a COVID song? <laughs> no <laughs> good <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah don't, yeah, don't. <laughs> I love that that was your response because I was like no I, I definitely haven't um, um no, I, 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 I don't I don't mind like um there are COVID songs that, yeah exactly really quick and I guess we're, we're gonna have a yeah. guest in a few weeks that yeah it's it's gonna be tough to top hers in my opinion but um, (laughs) we have uh amy amy gabba's coming on in a couple weeks i don't know if i was supposed to announce that yet or not but i just did spoiler alert yeah (laughs) looking forward to to getting her on the show um but hey i I was gonna throw it back you know that okay i want to bring it back to that instagram story post you did of matt blaze because i really feel (laughs) iconic like (laughs) You, seriously i think you're on to something huge there like i i don't know if it's just because i thought it was so freaking funny but in in my head i'm thinking like of course dude, like, you, I'm were, not a mu- you were on morphine uh, yeah i was on that <laughs> he could have watched that's anything right. and it would have been fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but maybe maybe but i was definitely thinking like that i i feel like you're on to something there like even if it's an idea for a music video where you know if you're if you have a song like if you're dressed up as matt singing your song in the video and then like the next line you're somebody else singing your song but as somebody else or or have other people dressed as you singing your song like for a video you know something like that is what i was thinking or else like i said if if we could get matt to clap back at you on that and then (laughs) i would die and get it going in a circle like of, of like your musical friends and stuff and everybody imitating each other and like get some I think you're onto something big there you just got to get that snowball going 
Yeah, it's, so, I, I actually love, I love that idea, but I think you're right because there's something, this kind of, this keeps coming up in conversation and you know, that happens in life sometimes when you just start having conversations with people and different people from different groups. Like I've had conversations with people lately about this and this whole comedic aspect keeps coming up about me doing that. And, and I talk to people that aren't even in the arts at all. And there, I think you're right. I think there's something to it. Um, I don't know what it is exactly, but I mean, for me, it's just fun. Like I get to laugh at myself and have a good time. And I think like, I don't know, like I said, we need that right now, but me as a person, I mean, my entire life, like I was very serious, very hard on myself, um, very perfectionistic and to like, let go in this way is awesome. Like it feels so good and so fun for me. And then it's a, it's also just a new way to relate to other people. Like it's a new way for me to connect with people, you know, it's pretty cool. So, so your music is, um, how would you describe your, your style? Is it, I, I listened to a, uh, like this afternoon was the last time I listened to a few of your songs. Um, yeah. Which one sure. did you listen to Mark? I, I've also deleted you, like a lot of my old music as well because it was terrible <laughs> quality wise. <laughs> Joel, you know, you know, I listen to music in the background, so I listen to it, but I don't actually yeah. pay attention to what I the lyrics or what the, the. Yeah, I know you did, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's it's more down tempo, laid back. Um, yeah, I would say that's fair. So now that you had this whole comedic thing are you are you starting to feel um like a shift yeah is is this gonna affect your your songwriting and and how your next song is gonna roll out kind of thing i don't know how to ask that question (laughs) yeah no but that i love that train of thought because I think that's why I felt so lost over the past, like I said, year or two, because my musical direction has been shifting and I haven't really figured out where it's going. Um, I think I was really used to being like kind of a folk songwriter and growing up in a fairly small community and people knowing me to look one way and to sound one way and, and all that stuff. And it, but it was very much representative of who I was at the time. Like I was always true to myself but I was a young songwriter. Like I started out young and I like put out my first album when I was like 20, 21. And it represented me at the time. It was self-produced and it was like just me processing life. And I think it was what it was, but that's why I've like, since took, I've taken down um, that record because it's just like quality wise, not great after I've done some higher produced stuff. Uh, but also I just don't, I don't really feel like it represents me anymore. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out my new sound. Um, and it's been quite a journey because like I said, I, I go back to these like jagged little pill records and I'm like, yeah, I really love that. Or I put on Matt's record and I, I really do love the more like rock aspect of things. And I grew up on that stuff. And yet I always end up writing like slower folk songs. And I'm like, where is this disconnect? Like, there's a lot of passion and strong things that I stand for and I talk about on social media that I would love to translate into music. 
and I just kind of haven't really done that yet. So um, like I said earlier, in terms of songwriting, like I'm not lacking in things to say. It's just how to say it. I think that's right. where my, my struggle has been. So, and that's the same with this comedy thing too, right? It comes with, um, like I said, a lot of joy and a lot of laughter, but I also had a moment, you know, the day after I sent it to Matt, I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't like take that to heart because with comedy too, I mean, when you think about comedy in general, there's so many different types of sense of, like there's different senses of humor, right? And comedy can also be intentionally harmful. And obviously Matt knows me well enough to know that this was not an intentionally harmful thing. Um, but exploring this new realm of, of comedy, it's interesting. It's like any form of art, right? It's just like, I think intentions, it comes down to intentions. And for me, like my intention is never to like purposely drag anybody down. Like, right. It's not malicious in any way. No, yeah. not at all. Like, and that's just not who I am. Like I, I'm not a malicious person and uh, yeah, it's just interesting. So who knows, like maybe this would open up something different in my brain. And I think it really just comes down to being comfortable with, with who you are and what you have to say and, and being right. unapologetic about it. Because I think, I've censored myself for the majority of my life and I've been on this journey over the past couple of years of just learning how to speak and finding what, I, what my voice is and what I want to stand for and what's important to me and, and how to go about that. You know? So are, are you, sure. are you waiting, are you waiting for that moment that says, okay, this is what it's going to be? Or do, do you just start writing songs and, if it happens to be a rock song, it's a rock song. And if it's a blues song, it comes out as a blues song. And because I feel like it's a it's a mix of both. Like I would love for there to be that aha moment, but I just don't feel like it's really happened. I think I've I've tried to write in different styles intentionally, and it doesn't always turn out great when you're again trying to be formulaic about it. Um, right. It's easy for me because I've been writing in the same genre with the same chords for so long that I feel like I'm a bit stuck in that um and it always like me. pulls you it pulls you back it, to oh, it yeah, all the time yeah right? it's exactly it's always gonna pull me back to like write that's this comfortable. sad song because <laughs> like, that's yeah. comfortable because that's not, <laughs> exactly you, you know how to do it yeah Meanwhile, I want to say like this 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 and this and yeah. say all these like bold statements and then you know I sit here and I'm like okay, let's talk about being sad again and write this <laughs> slow folk song. It's just like, can you not, you know? Um, but this is where like co-writing comes into play or like trying to listen to different genres. Cause I also think what you listen to really impacts you. Like it does for me, uh, like as a, as a musician, what I listen to and what I consume affects my thoughts and it affects my mood. And that then affects what I write too. So right. I'm not listening to slow folk songs right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so just and, and the, the, reason, the reason why I bring this up or brought this up, if you look at yeah. Joel's hat, Took, can you, can you come closer? Come closer. I can try. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> so Tyler Gilbert is Shout a guy we had. Tyler. We had a, we had him on the show two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Three weeks? I bet you his smoke alarm is still beeping. Probably. <laughs> anyway. Anywho, so Tyler started off as a, a folk artist and his latest record is hard rock. 
and he he made a few few EPs in between and and it's really cool to hear like if you listen to his first album and his last album you don't even think it's the same person yeah wow. it's it's nothing alike but if you hear the songs in between you kind of hear that his his music is is starting to get louder the transition yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's slowly progressing into what it is now and he says i don't know maybe next next or he actually did say that the last his new album or his new yeah his new album is going to be more bluesy i think or something right so tyler is right. one of those artists that he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't first of all he doesn't want to be in a box well he's got so if i have it understood correctly there's like specific characters in some of his songs right like the woman on the mountain i think that's the name of it yeah and uh, i don't even remember all the names of the characters but i think there's like six albums and each album is like specific to that one character in in all or else he's writing those and those will be the next albums coming out i think that's kind of the plan which is very interesting to me like if you listen to the older stuff you'll find each character in the older stuff but i think now it's like okay this one album is about this one character that i sang about like 10 years ago or whatever i think it was really cool idea yeah yeah Um, i like that i'm not i'm very similar though like i've never wanted to be in a box I think when it comes to genres, like obviously everyone kind of gravitates towards something, I think. I mean, I've always gravitated towards a certain certain thing. I listen to everything, but I've only put out pretty much one type of music. Right, um, that, that's one question I was gonna ask you a little while ago too, is like if a day in the life of you, like what are you listening to? Like what do you got on the radio at two in the afternoon when you're in the bath or what is you your, know, when you're- <laughs> your, your Spotify 2020 list, what is it? Yeah, <laughs> Matt Blaze. No, like literally. <laughs> he literally was my number three of the year. So uh, this, this podcast is brought to you by Matt Blaze. You by Matt Blaze. <laughs> Sponsor me, Matt. Um, I don't know what he has to give me. He's not Jim Beam, but anyways, um, we still love you, Matt. Um, I listen honestly. I listen to everything I, lately. I'm listening to a lot of '80s stuff which i've never really listened to before like sweet i yeah i love 90s 90s throwbacks are always great like alanis morissette cheryl crow um all that kind of stuff all the canadian icons you know um so now it's like cindy lopper madonna that kind yeah, of stuff like tina turner whitney houston right. uh Ooh. bruce springsteen tina um, turner you should you should watch uh walk off the earth they did a song about the, uh, oh, which Tina's song did they do? It was cool. Yeah. They're out on a porch somewhere. And anyway, continue. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Lately, I'm just bumping all these 80s, 80s jams. And I don't know why I gravitated towards that. I used to hate classic rock. Like growing up, I, I really liked the more modern rock. But my, my dad always has, still to this day, still has like the classic rock channels. Um, you know, with like Rush, um, the Foo Fighters. Well, I, I like the Foo Fighters. Um, like Journey. And I, I always ha- like hated ACDC. Um, but ne- I still hate ACDC. Uh, but, I, you know, these days I'm like, okay, I don't mind Journey. I don't mind like Hall and Oates. I don't mind Kiss. I saw Kiss in concert once. That was fun. Um, I just have a different appreciation for it now than I did before for some reason. I don't, I don't know right. why that is. 
but yeah I listen to everything from like Drake to uh Matt Blaze to uh Feist uh Shania Twain like I literally listen to everything <laughs> so, right um yeah and I listen to a lot of like indie indie artists or or there's a few American songwriters that I love and they aren't necessarily on the radio, but people know them and they have a fairly good following in terms of like touring. There's an artist, uh, his name is Matt Nathanson. He's from California. Love that guy. Um, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of awesome songwriters in the States that are kind of on an indie level, but they've done really well for themselves. So yeah, I mean, I, I really do listen to everything. And that's kind of, why i love what we do with this podcast because we get we get to discover a, a bunch of new music um but also uh i gotta look her up now we um there was yesterday or day before yesterday we were packing up a bunch of records and um my wife grabbed a yola record and she looks at the at the cover and she's like what is this it looks interesting I'm like i don't know let me let me put that on title. So I put it on title, and we listened to the whole album in one while we were packing up records in one shot. And for every song, we were like, "Oh, this is cool." So being in this business and you know doing the podcast, we absorb a lot of new music. And I think over the well the past year, my music taste has uh, shifted a little bit because I was, I still am, you know in essence, the, the guy that always listens to classic rock and I still have my classic rock um, uh, playlists. But uh, I think Tidal also had, uh, you know, top 2020 songs, your personal top 2020 or whatever. Yeah. And there's a lot of indie artists in there and I like it. Yeah, that's cool. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I can agree with that too. Like I'm still like my throwback 90s rock for sure, right? Um, but in doing the podcast and everything and, and knowing Mark, like a lot, a lot of the people we've had on the show so far, I would have never listened to if it wasn't for the show at all. So finding new, new bands, new people and, and understanding, like, it's not about, how can I say it? It's, I, I will be honest. There's some people that we've had on this show where like, I'm not out looking for their style of music. But I can respect them enough to sit there and listen to the whole album and yeah. listen to like, what are they trying to say? Like, why, like feel their feelings and, and like get involved in it. And just, it's a respect kind of thing. I think, you know, like I grew Definitely. up with a lot of music. Mom sang my whole life, you know, mom was big into country music and, and like, that's all she ever did was sing freaking. We had a karaoke machine in the house and we'd come home from school and she'd be just singing karaoke, all the like practicing <laughs> for her gigs and stuff like that was my life. And, and it really turned me away from like country music. Like it, I, you know, cause I grew up with it. I didn't want to hear it. And I think that's where the rock and roll kind of got a hold of me. But, yeah. but I get it. Like I was saying is that this podcast and knowing Mark has brought a lot of different genres and different people. And like, and I've built friendships with musicians out there that like I never would have had before. And like my views of the industry haven't really changed much but i do feel like if we keep doing what we're doing that we might have a finger in like changing some of that shit i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah um i, I sure hope that that's where that's gonna where this is gonna end up 
even through like a pandemic and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's a respect thing, I think. Yeah, Definitely. and you raise a good point. I think music is is about exactly that. It's about connecting with people. And there's so much bullshit that goes on, on on the industry side of things, but you know, meeting other artists and hearing their stories, it's awesome. And that's that's the whole point, right? Like even the fact that I get to talk to you guys right now is is awesome. Like and we're connecting over music. And I think that's such a, a powerful thing. And music's always been that way. Like music is the thing that connects us, I think, the most. It's it's also the the easiest thing to connect over. Like uh Joel, we had elementals, right? And um yeah. the the two main guys uh met in what was it, high school? It was like and grade nine or something. Grade and nine it was or something, like a t shirt. Yeah. Yeah, and right? he walks. It was one of them had a yeah, yeah. He walks into the wrong classroom and he looks looks around and says, "Oh, I'm not supposed to be here." But he looks at that guy with uh, them crooked them crooked vultures T-shirt and he's like, "We're gonna be friends." And then he walks out, and then <laughs> you know they be, they became friends and started a band together. That. Yeah, I yeah. Love that. So, I I music connects. Yeah, it really does. Yep. I think that's why why people are struggling this year. I mean, obviously, people are struggling for a myriad of reasons: job loss, financial concerns, yeah. health concerns. Yeah. You, but, know, the, you know, the minor stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't pay your rent. Who cares? So yeah. artists, you know. No, but for real, like I, I think in terms of artistry, like I said earlier, I mean, I at least feel like we're all kind of on an even playing level at this point because we all mm -hmm. know what it's like. To struggle but we all know what it's like to connect with each other too through music and we all miss it and so when right. we get to do it again that's why it's so much more powerful like here they just shut down all these shows again which is really unfortunate but i guess the safe thing to do for the moment and over the past couple months we were lucky because we were able to have lower capacity social distance performances for quite a few months Yep. And it was awesome because people missed it so much and we got to just connect with each other again. And now it's gone again and people are feeling it. It's hard. And I think next year, whenever things reopen, even for those socially distanced shows, I mean, you want to go to that because you just, you miss the connection, right? Yep. For sure. I think those are all going to be like sold out, you know, whether... Guaranteed. There, yeah, I think so too, because everyone's going to want to get out and go do something that it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a different, not a different world, but it, it's just going to be different than what it was. That's all. But for the better, right? That's what I mean. Yep. For sure. I think we took it for granted too. I mean, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think a lot of artists did like it was, it was normal, right? Like to go and perform somewhere and to connect with people. It was just what you did. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but you really, you really just think about things differently when you don't have the ability to do it. Like you're literally not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're literally um, not allowed. Like it's against the law. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you too. So you said your first album that you took down, you produced it yourself and throughout yeah. the years you've had like other people producing your albums, right? Which is a reason yeah. why you took that one down. So my question to you is seeing how those other producers produced your albums and the differences that they did 
or contributed to the album, would you consider producing your own album, like another one? Yeah. Like what's stopping always... you from doing that? Love it. Love the question. I always love being involved on both sides of things. Um, as in, I don't want someone to come and pr produce it completely without me. Like, I, I like to have a say. I like to have my hands in there and, like, have, you know, have yeah. a say because I, yeah, I yeah. think art, your artistic vision is, is important however I've experienced that um it's easy for producers to just like get in there and do their formulaic thing too even if I'm there um I would definitely consider at least co-producing the next project like I want to be involved my thing is I'm not a sound engineer right so I can do demos and I'm comfortable with that, but I, I don't have like the equipment to do like a full production of stuff myself. So that's where I get a little hung up on things. Um, what's really interesting about this whole idea of producing is that that's really what fucked me up <laughs> the most is the fact that I got so lost in like, oh, who's producing my stuff and my name being associated with their name and all that bullshit. And just for some reason thought that they had more power over me and my art than was necessary. Like I've always written my stuff myself and the demo in terms of like lyrics and arrangement was pretty much the same as what was produced. So really a producer can hit record and do like a couple of things on a computer and they didn't write anything and they didn't change anything. And yet I ended up feeling like they owned me and they owned my music and they just had so much power over me. And isn't that just crazy? <laughs> because it's like, in reality, I've realized like they didn't really do anything. Like they hit record on their computer and maybe added a few sounds on their computer, but it was my art. So why do right. I feel like I can't do it without them? Like that is such a trippy. Is that, is that just because the, the, the title of producer comes with the job or is, is that something that intimidated you or is that the person that you worked with at that time? I think it's more of the person. Um, I think, right. I think. Um, I had a lot of, of trust invested in this person. And I think over the years, like things got really messy personally and professionally. And I think when you get into a situation like that, like you just lose your sense of identity and worth and all that kind of stuff. So it's been hard for me because yeah, it really, it really messed with my mind because I've really especially when I moved out here to Calgary, like I've really had to take a step back and think about it. And I'm like, why, why am I telling myself I can't do this anymore? Because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, you know, it just, it's crazy to me to think about. Like I literally thought, well, I can't do it without them. It's <laughs> so like, why? Like they didn't really do anything. So there's so yeah. many artists that do it without a producer. Yeah, I think, you know what it is? I think when this person entered my life, um, you know, sometimes you meet those people, we were talking about this earlier, like in terms of contracts or signing on the dotted line. 
and you think you meet this person who kind of is going to change the game for you. I think I was younger and (laughs) thought that this person was going to like be that everything. Like this was going to be the person to like help me get to the next level of my career. And I thought because this person had worked with a lot of my favorite artists and there was a lot of synchronicities and things that just kind of made sense to me at the time. Like I thought this person was like the end all be all and it wasn't. (laughs) So you know right you put you put yeah. all your trust in one person and that person doesn't follow yeah. that person actually did nothing yeah. for me <laughs> except for <Yeah>. really. <laughs> and <it laughs> just tear me just really just tore me apart really um and i just i've been on this journey of like trying to remember who the hell i am without that person like it sounds so silly but like right this industry can really play with your mind sometimes so, When's yeah. the last time you pl- you listened to your first album? Do you listen to your own stuff? Or yeah, do you kind of record it and let it go? Uh, I usually record it and let it go. I've been really lucky. Like since I'm new out here, I've had opportunities to like almost re-release old stuff. Like to me, it's old. But since I'm new on the West Coast of Canada, like it's new to someone here. Whereas yeah. in Ontario, I've probably toured that song a million times or I've had it on the radio over there or whatever. Um, so I've been lucky because I've had to revisit some of the, some of these old songs and old recordings. And even like the song we did for the Jim Beam competition, like I, I released that song three years ago, Oh, but to people, but to people out here, it's brand new. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I saw, I saw that video was posted like three years ago too. I was like, Oh, this isn't a new one. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's really funny about it is like said person producer I almost released a video of that song three years ago, almost to the day to when it came out for the Jim Beam competition. And they told me, oh, don't release it because it's not good. So I didn't end up releasing it like three years prior. And now I released this video with Jim Beam of the same song and same concept, like stripped live version of the song. And we end up at the top of the country and winning (laughs) for the region. I'm just like, this is crazy, right? That's that's the best f you uh, there is. I thought right. so. That's that that's that un, <laughs> unforgiven story, like Chappelle, right? The big yeah. f you. Yeah, like I literally nice. was going to release it three years three years ago, a very similar yeah, like I said, live version video, and they were like, no, don't, it's not good, and I I didn't. You should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I get that there's a time and so, place for everything, but like. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, goes, I, it, it yeah. was an empowering thing for me on many levels is, is the point, yeah. I guess. You know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because then you can go back and say, well, if that stuff didn't happen to you back then, you wouldn't be where you are today. And, you yeah. know, like how, where does it end, right? But um, yeah, I'm definitely glad that you did it the way that you did it. I think it turned out perfect. Like, it obviously did. You guys won, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. And like, yeah, I think, you know, just going back to what you were asking, I mean, it's, as much as I hate some of my old stuff, because I think you just grow and you're like, oh God, that came out so long ago and I've grown so much since then. It's cool to look back on some of your old material too and be like, oh, I'm actually really proud of that. And that's kind of well, what happened with this, with this situation because it's like, yeah, I feel really strong about that song that I wrote by myself. Right. It doesn't matter who produced it. Like, Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what I was kind of getting at with that. Like if you were to 
Like when's the last time you slapped in that first album that you made by yourself, right? That you produced yourself and listened to it, start cover to cover and be like, who was I then? And where am I now? Right. Yeah. And see that transition. And then you can maybe get back in that. Like if you're trying to get back to where you were, that might be a good start, right? Get back and Oh, I remember when I wrote that lyric or this is what I was doing or going through like this is, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just a cool concept. Like it's a stamp in time. Yeah. Definitely. And totally. don't like, don't neglect it is all I'm getting at. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good message. And honestly, it's been a long time since I've listened to that album, like front to back. It's been a really long time, but it does have a lot of special meanings to it. I, I actually recorded it like alongside my dad and some of his musician friends, like my dad's a bass player. And yeah, I was probably like 20 years old when we recorded that, like 19, 20. And we had a huge CD release party in my hometown. And like, it was it was sold out and like we had the, like it was it was a special time and that was before I moved and had a taste of the real industry out there and you know like I didn't yeah. care I didn't I thought I was just like no you know what I mean like no one could touch me I just felt like I, I was this invincible young artist and I I wasn't egoic about it but I was like it doesn't matter if people don't like it because I had so much genuine support and I just was expressing myself you know like those yeah. were the days when I went out to open mics and people learned my lyrics and I was like this is awesome and then I started getting paid gigs like you got to start somewhere and those are really yeah. special yeah. days and I honestly like I kind of miss those days uh sometimes especially when you've been in the industry like I've been in the thick of the industry and sometimes I'm like what am I doing <laughs> 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 and I think a lot of this like you brought up a really good point if you want to get back to your roots, like you should probably listen to where you started because I've really questioned that lately. Um, I don't necessarily think I want to do an album as stripped down as that was or as raw as it was in terms of production, but I think you're right. There's something to be said about, about those beginnings, right? Right. Or some kind of rebuttal to it, right? The next album could be like a rebuttal to who that person was. You know what I mean? Like just where you are now, as opposed to who you were then. And like a story, a note to yourself, maybe. I don't and call, know. Just, yeah. and call, call the album something like, remember when. <laughs> I feel like it was a million years ago. And, and it's so <laughs> funny because it really wasn't all that long ago, but I just feel like the amount of experiences that I've had from then until now are insane like I've lived in so many different cities and I've performed in so many different cities and I've met so many people and um I've had a lot of people walk out of my life too so so much has changed I've learned a lot about myself and um it's just it's so wild to think about you know was there ever was there ever a gig or a specific moment in like your in your career where you can pinpoint and be like, this is where everything changed. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is where, where the plane started taking off here. Can when you pinpoint I first, that time? Yeah, when I first moved to Toronto about three years ago, a lot shifted at that time. Because prior to that, I left my small hometown and I moved to Montreal and I thought Montreal has got to be a good place. Cause I used to go out there and gig. So I thought I'm just going to plant myself there and move there and try to make connections in the industry. And it was a really hard time. 
first of all, my family's not French. I'm, I can speak a little bit of French, but I'm not French. And I found that the art scene was really difficult to get into in Quebec in general. And I lived there for about a year and I was like, nothing's really working. Like I, I met some people, but it wasn't like a significant, it wasn't as significant as I thought. You know, the whole producer thing we were just talking about, I thought Montreal yeah. was gonna be the place where like, okay, I just released my first album. I'm gonna go meet people and like network and try to get to know the industry. And I thought things were just gonna come together and they didn't. So I ended up moving back to Ontario and like, you know, still being self-produced and putting out stuff and doing things like CBC Searchlight and um, similar to the Jim Beam thing, like getting involved with these nationwide competitions and somehow like kind of making it to the top and, and making connections with CBC, which is great because also they pay really good royalties. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they, they're very supportive of artists and like that was awesome. So, I, you know, and locally just trying to, do shows and I used to gig pretty much every day. So that was my life. Um, but I still felt like stuff was missing. So this was around the time when I thought I should start working with a producer instead of being self-produced. I just felt like that was the natural progression of things because everything I put out was self-produced and it did well locally, but I just kind of wanted to like take things to a, a bit of a higher level or at least get stuff on the radio and, and have that quality of, of music, right? And so I moved to Toronto and did the same music program that Matt did here out West because I started doing it out West recently. But there's this program in Toronto called um, Canada's Music Incubator and they choose like 15 artists from across the country. So I met artists from here in Alberta that I'm still friends with to this day. And it was like the most intense time of my life. It's pretty much at the time, I think they've changed it. But at the time it was like a two to three month program. You treat it, you move to Toronto, your life is on hold. It's like nine to five. You're doing business meetings. You're meeting people from like Stingray Radio, like all the head honchos are flying in from wherever the heads of different music companies, Sony Records, like you name it, all these people are coming in. You're meeting entertainment lawyers. You're meeting vocal coaches, you're working on your craft, you're co-writing, like it's, it's so intense and that's your life. And my producer was involved with that as well. And I thought my life was made, right? Cause I'm like working with a producer, getting some stuff on the radio, doing this awesome music program. And I really met like some of my best friends in my entire life in that program. Cause there's only like 15 of us, right? Um, and everyone put their life on hold. Like there's people from Vancouver, there's people from like all over the country, like New Brunswick, like everyone just stopped their life, got accepted into this program and it was your life. So I learned a lot. I met a lot of industry people and that was probably the point where I felt like I understood a little bit more because as this small indie artist from like Northern Ontario, there's just so much I didn't know in terms of like how to get songs on the radio or like how the business actually runs. <laughs> so um, I learned so much and it was like such a significant time, but also like all of that came crashing down after a while too. Cause after that program ended, a lot of people moved back to where they were from. I stayed in Toronto and tried to survive and it's like sink or swim, man. <laughs> like, 
Um, and I tried to make it work for a couple more years and I, it didn't work out very well. So yeah, I ended up reconnecting with some of my really close girlfriends that were in the program with me. And, and we all like, we just had so much going on. Like we were all so young and like, we're all still young, but we were even younger than we are now. And it's like, we were all in these crazy times. Like we had toxic relationships in our personal lives going on and we were trying to navigate, uh, you know, like band situations or producer agreements. And we were just trying to figure ourselves out. And it was a significant time. It really was. And it's crazy because now they run that program out here, which is why, you know, I can end up in a room and know so many people because of that. From that it program. just connects the industry across the whole country, essentially. So, yeah, I would say that's, that's the time that it broke me in a lot of ways, but it also kind of made me who I am too. Did it cost a lot of money to enter that? Like, did you have to pay to get into there? Um, yes, but they also had a lot of scholarships and, and partners who are involved with that, right? So they have a lot of, um, yeah, like just a lot of partnership, partnerships. So they right. cover they cover quite a bit, but I, <laughs> I'm still paying off debt from when I lived in Toronto because it was so expensive. <laughs> so it's like, just live on the credit card, you know? Like it, yeah. it was rough, it was a rough time. But uh, yeah, I would say honestly, like that was probably the most significant shift and I'm, tr I'm just trying to like figure out the next, the next chapter. Cause I think that was a really significant chapter for me, but right. it wasn't the end all be all that I thought it was going to be. So mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Wow. Very yeah. Cool. I was trying to think how we got to that topic. Well, cause I wanted to, I wanted to know where it was like, if she could pinpoint like a shift. Oh, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was, <laughs> I was zoning out. <laughs> no, no, I was so so focused on that story. I was like, how did we get to this? But yeah, okay. That was a, that was a good story. That yeah. was a good story. Yeah. I, I, I almost envisioned something like a big brother type thing. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. Like literally a lot of us lived together at the time. I, I didn't, but quite a few people who moved from Alberta or BC or whatever, like we paired up a lot of them. Um, as roommates so it's like you're you're spending your nine to five in this intensive music program together and then you're living together and then you're going out to a show together like we just oh, all did everything together right so which is yeah, how the I, strong friendships began right obviously yeah I mean I still talk to a lot of those people every day like every day we voice memo even if we're on different like time zones and stuff and we made some really solid bonds for sure but we also made bonds that were terrible <laughs> so yeah um you, you can't get along with everybody yeah true true i think it really showed us like the truth of the industry especially in canada like it canada is a big country but it's a small world and once you once you meet certain people in the industry from certain labels or like when you meet producers i mean it's a small world and even with touring bands like it's a small industry so it's it's interesting. Have you toured in the states at all? No, I I've always wanted to though, like always. Obviously, this is not the year. <laughs> I was just about to say you'll have to wait a year. So. <laughs> you know, this is not the year. No, but I've always like I've loved the states, especially like 
the West Coast. I'm a huge West Coast girl, which is funny because I'm not from there, but there's something about the West Coast for me. Like, I just kind of want to go from Seattle to like Portland to California and just right. through the coast. That's well, Tyler. What, that's that's Tyler the hat thing. Said, <laughs> hat thing. The, the, hat, the hats are very California like. There's something about California, man. Like I've always been so connected to California and I felt like I belong there and eventually want to be there. I don't know. It's the ocean, the Pacific ocean, the mountains, like, I don't know. It just kind of feels like home to me, but for now I'm in Calgary. (laughs) Yeah. Same thing. (laughs) I mean, the mountains are are nice and they're like an hour drive away. So it's not too bad, but. Alberta is like California minus the beach and warm weather. And, you, know. <laughs> you guys had some you had some warm weather recently didn't you in calgary it was plus 16 the other day what yeah insane. it's insane I'm well moving. my birthday was in october and i remember going out to my birthday dinner and it was my, like minus 20 <laughs> in october and now it's december and it's almost plus 20 it's like what is happening right now <laughs> i i hope that's coming this way i really do well, it is. It was warmer today. I know you haven't been outside yet, but it was like yeah. plus plus five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was plus five or something today. I think it was, it was twelve here today. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, but it's weird because honestly, in October I had pretty much a, a mental breakdown because it felt like winter. We got it was not only minus twenty, but we had at least that big ten snow inches pile? of snow. Yeah, yeah. if not we more. We got that here too. Yeah. And I thought for sure it was going to stay because it did. It didn't melt. Like, you know, being a Canadian, you know, early snowfalls happen, but they usually melt within a couple of days. At least they do in Ontario. But here this year, I thought, okay, it's been a week. Okay. It's been two weeks. The snow has not melted yet. It's still <laughs> minus 20. And I was like, what is happening? But here we are. It's like, plus yeah. Well, welcome to the prairies. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Well, here, here oh, too. Yeah. Like when once the snow falls, it usually doesn't melt till March. Yeah. So yeah. I thought cool. for sure it was going to be winter, but. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm in my running shoes outside and my my flats, so. I oh yeah. Don't even have to wear my boots anymore. It's weird. Yeah. Um. What was that thing I saw you on? Oh, I feel like it was a month ago. I think I had messaged you shortly after it. You did like an Instagram live with some girl and you sang a couple of songs on it. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier because I remember that you tuned in and and watched some of that. Oh, for sure. Who, and who was that girl? Yeah. So she's Crystal McGrath. She's an awesome singer songwriter here in Calgary. Uh, She also did this music program that is now in Calgary as well. Um, Yeah. Like at the same time as you? No. So like they used to do it in Toronto only. And then they started doing it in Calgary. So like Matt did it. Uh, this, this lovely girl, Crystal did it. Um, it's fairly new to the Calgary edition. Like basically they fly people out here and, and they run it here this year. I think of course they're doing it virtually because that's life. Right. Um, yeah, but we all basically get to know the same industry people, but anyways, um, yeah. She's a singer songwriter locally and she's great. And she does like so much awesome stuff. Like she started her Instagram live podcast thing. And she has like so many businesses going on. Like she's such a, a great entrepreneur. She has like an online right. 
portal for like yoga classes and meditation classes and she's just like given her like every day like so committed and uh yeah I was very lucky to meet her and she is doing this artist behind the music podcast I guess you could call it a podcast it's, it's on Instagram live but right. it's, I mean you watched it's it's like a podcast yeah. basically yeah it was cool and yep yeah I just love stuff like that because you get to know people behind their music right and, and who they are and what makes them tick and uh, how they're coping with the year and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I don't even remember how I ended up finding that. Did you, you must have posted that you were going to be on it. I think That's so. Yeah. Because I don't follow her. So I was yeah. just like, oh, I'll check this out. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it vaguely sounds familiar. I think I checked in too. I might have told yeah. you that. that yeah. I think I might have told you that I was watching that. Yeah. And then when I tuned in, it was like the last five minutes and then. Okay. It felt very similar to this in, in terms of just like having a, a very like casual yet really refreshing conversation. So um, I, I just love doing stuff like this. It's just so nice to have like good connections with people and just good, just good conversations, you know? Oh, for sure. Like Mark and I, we want to be doing this like in person and obviously yeah. we can't, yeah. right? So hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully we can get you in house and, you know, yeah. have a glass of wine yeah, with you. That would be officially. awesome. <laughs> I'll have a beer. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a, give me a, give me a Coke. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a beer girl. I'll tell you that, but. Oh, that's fine. My wife is a <laughs> wine drinker. You can join her. <laughs> All right. Yeah. too. Janelle Actually, the, the last thing I'll say about Matt for tonight is that he has some <laughs> wine merch. I don't know if you know that. Did you ever see that? Wine merch? Yeah. So I don't think he's selling it online, but he has it at his shows. So he does some woodworking. Yep. Um, he actually built me my table, which is awesome. Uh, anyways, he made these really cool wine holders. It's literally a piece of wood that goes sideways. I've seen those. Yeah, I think I so have saw them too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's so cool. It's like literally an angled piece of wood. It's not attached to anything. And you're like, how is it staying like that? <laughs> and it just stays. It just stays like that. And you put a bottle of wine in it. And uh, one of our friends here locally does like wooden picks, like guitar picks and engravings in wood and stuff. And so they engraved his logo into this wine holder. And it's pretty cool. It's cool. Uh, sweet. <laughs> I was asking him to try and figure out how to do a I got a pretty intense movie collection in the basement and I'm running out of space. I've got two like stand-up shelves that are full yeah. so, and I need more space because now I've got them in like bags piled up and, and nothing's organized. So I was messaging him and I was like, like he loved the idea of helping me like build some kind of shelf for it, but the cost to get it here would just be <laughs> ridiculous. Totally. So, he should just yeah, come. So. He, he should just come out here deliver it and then we can do the podcast he should yeah. just come here and and build it i got all the i got everything he needs he's, he's got, not, in, he's in got nothing garage. else to do he's got yeah. nothing else to yeah. do he's just and then he can like rock out whiskey yeah <laughs> <laughs> poor guy yeah come um, on matt get get your butt out here and build me a shelf <laughs> no, for real. i was gonna say honestly it's cheaper for him to drive it out there than it would be for him to ship it you guys should hop in a car together and drive here, and then we'll hang out. I'd together. do it. I would Shit, do man, it. We can put, we'll put it on a show. 
We'll do we a Funky do... Moose. Funky Moose presents. Yeah, that's that's still on the list. And then that we'll put it on. That was actually the plan to do this year because Funky Moose Records would have, well, would it? Okay, Funky Moose Records <laughs> this year <laughs> exists five years, and uh, the plan oh. was to organize a, a a mini festival type thing, uh, but then shit hit the fan, and we yeah. didn't do that. So maybe next year. I Hopefully. I say yes, and I say that him and I should come out, and then we could jam some of his songs together because apparently I sing his songs better than he does. There you I go. Don't say that. That's just what he says. <laughs> um, no, but I literally think it would be it would be fun to like do some jams. Yeah, and then throw sure. in some eighties some eighties tunes as well. Yeah. Well, by that time probably. you're out of that phase, probably. True. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, yeah. you'll be into disco. I listened to we'll disco break. too. I listened yeah. to disco yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, in the morning. In the in the neon spandex. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> disco is pretty great sometimes. Honestly, like I oh, yeah. I love I love I, disco. Yep. I don't understand how it got such a bad rap. What what the hell happened that it just like it was shunned for so long. Who says? I don't know. I I bought a disco ball literally on Tuesday when I went to the dollar store and bought all this stuff for Matt's video to, you know, <laughs> look like him. I also bought a disco ball at Dollarama. <laughs> because you happened to run into one. Yeah. Well, I actually cool. saw on Pinterest they had a bunch of disco balls. And when the sunlight hits it, it, you know, creates all these cool speckles on the wall. And I was like, I need a disco ball in my life. <laughs> and it also just matches my Christmas decor because I have a lot of like silver tinsel and just like hints of silver going on. So I just threw a disco ball in the mix. <laughs> so I don't know. Love it. Love I'm not it. going out for New Year's probably. So might as well have a disco ball <laughs> in my dining room. <laughs> Why <Sweet>. not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, is there anything you would... Uh like to plug or where can people find you because i think yeah i think we've been how long have we been talking About two I hours yeah where, <laughs> where would you that long. where would you direct people to to find your music and like yeah. check stuff up yeah um anywhere online is under justine giles so i i would say right now i'm mostly on instagram uh more than anything else i mean i have stuff on spotify but it's really just the most recent singles i've put out so if people want to stream it, that's cool. But I would say like to keep up to date with anything important, like just check out my Instagram. Um, and that's just Ms. Justine Giles, MS, Ms. Um, what else? I mean, I have the Jim Beam video up on my YouTube channel and cool. my website, justinegiles.com. Yeah. yeah you, Pretty much just my name anywhere. You need to update your website. Oh, it's so old. It's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal. I will a hundred percent own up to that. <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw it this afternoon, and it says it's vote awful. here, vote here. Uh, yeah, we're done. Yeah, now. I haven't I haven't been on that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, but yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I love honestly, I love Instagram. So if people wanna wanna see me there, it's probably you, where I would need. You or, say or on Twitter. I love Twitter I too. That's where I met if, you guys. <laughs> I was going to ask you which one you like better, Instagram or Twitter? Well, say Twitter. Or they I, each I have, have their to purpose. say, 
I have to say, like, I know Twitter can be a terrible place for a lot of people, but for me, like, I meet the best people on Twitter. <laughs> like, I really do. I have some good conversations with people on Twitter, but I also do on Instagram too. So I'm really lucky because, like, I'm not having much luck with Facebook these days. It's turning oh, into the the Facebook platform stuff. where like all the old folks are and they're just like why do you have your hair like that and it's just like that's not the point <laughs> get off. why are you wearing that hat <laughs> get off my lawn yeah exactly <laughs> so i mean i try not to be on facebook these days instagram i love like i said earlier just because people i find genuine connections with people and they seem to follow along for x amount of years and they go through the highs and lows and it feels like they know me or i know them so that's cool in terms of building relationships. Um, I love Twitter for connecting with people too. And, and it's just, again, that comedic thing. Like you can think of something really ridiculous and all of a sudden it's like, oh, got to tweet that. Um, I try not to use it as a negative outlet. I know a lot of people do. And I definitely have my moments where you just need that one venting space and Twitter seems to be the place to do that. Yep. Um, but I, honestly, I used to, like. I, I used to have that. I, I started noticing my on my personal profile my personal twitter there was a, a period where all my tweets were me bitching about something and i was like oh yeah. okay this has to change so now it's i'm so, trying to yeah it's so easy to do that i yeah. feel like for some reason twitter is that place i also know a lot of political stuff is going on on twitter and i just yep. try not to get overly yeah. involved in it you can mute words and that's perfect yeah uh, well, it's not perfect, but it's it, it helps a lot. You can just filter out the, the political crap. And, yeah, because I yeah. think Twitter can be a nice place. Like, that's where yeah. I met you guys. And Yeah, that's um, actually uh, most of our artists that we have lately uh, went through Twitter and some some Instagram, but a lot of them were were uh, were from Twitter. Yeah. The good thing about Twitter too, is I don't I don't really think there's an algorithm as much as there is on Instagram now. Like Instagram's changing a lot. It mm -hmm. has changed a lot since it first came out. Like I remember yep. it started out as like this photography thing and I, I've taken a lot of photography classes and I loved posting just, you know, nature photography when it first came out or pictures with cool filters. Like it was really, really vintage filters at the time and it's just changed a lot and you don't really see everyone's posts anymore. Similar to Facebook, right? So I yep. think that's kind of unfortunate. Like it's, it's just changing and you don't always reach people organically anymore. So that's a bummer. Um, but yeah, I like Twitter. <laughs> I, the thing I like about it the most is like, I could go through my day and post something and I feel like it can make someone smile. It's very similar to the comedy thing we were talking about. Like I yep. could just think of something ridiculous to myself and instead of keeping it to myself, I can just put it on Twitter and a bunch of people are like, Oh, that's great. Or that's funny. Or it's that yeah, little right. thing. It's like you're experiencing something with someone throughout the day. And these yeah, days we, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. We, we had this discussion with uh, Manfred from elephants and stars last, last week. And, um, uh, and he, I'll have he was to, saying, I'll have to send you the link to this story, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, he was saying that, um, uh, you know, oh, sometimes I think of this ridiculously awesome tweet that I'm going to, you know, get a lot of likes and retweets on. And then I post it and nothing happens. Yeah, that's true. Or, or this, this <laughs> thing happen. that I, yeah, this thing that I put three seconds of thought into all of a sudden blows up. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so then he true. regrets it the next day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he deletes the tweet. Yeah. Oh, I've done that. I have a hundred percent like oh yeah. Yeah. Had a had a wine buzz and decided now's a great time to just confess everything on Twitter. And then later I'm like, <laughs> that should probably not be on the internet, Justine. <laughs> oh. Or when I try to like you know subliminally like I'm trying to say something to somebody and I know that they follow me and I'm like okay hopefully you read this and it's <laughs> oh, directed towards you but then I always get replies from the wrong people and I'm like yeah no it wasn't about you <laughs> yeah I didn't mean <laughs> <Red>. you <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just like damn it it never hits the right person at the yeah. right time that's but that's funny. part of the fun it's Twitter roulette yeah. so that's right. how long have you been on Twitter for oh long time I would yeah. say probably since that started too. Like, I don't know. How long has it been around? Almost 10 years? 2008? Yeah, I think so. Hey, I'm yeah. so late to the game. I just started Instagram a couple of years ago. I was like, fuck Facebook. I'm done with it. So I like, you know, just washed my hands of it. Started an Instagram account and started that. Having fun with that. And then Mark got me onto Twitter a couple months ago. So by, so being, I, on, yeah. by being on Instagram, you're still on Facebook. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, like, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook. Like, I'm not yeah, yeah. going on Facebook, right? Um, Justine, you, you... In my mind, they're separated. Justine, you, you uh, joined March 2009. So, yeah, of I've been on which there one? for quite Twitter? a while. Twitter, yeah. Right. So, I've been I've tweeting been to... a bunch of bullshit yeah. for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to get, a like, have followers on Twitter. Can't figure it out. Here's my... Here's my thing. I feel like a lot of people aren't on Twitter anymore. What? You think they're moving to TikTok or what? No. Yeah. I think there's less people on Twitter than there used to be. I mean, obviously there's still people on Twitter, but I just feel like it's not as popular as it was. Right. Maybe they're uh, like, fuck Twitter. Like I was fuck Facebook. Yeah, Maybe. exactly. But this is so. why I find good people on Twitter because the people who still remain on Twitter are awesome. Yeah. Those are your people. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like you guys like you know, those are the people you want to like it's after everyone says fuck it and they leave get all those people out of the way and then you find right. the good people who right. stick around on the old platforms that's how all the old old folks feel on facebook right now right <laughs> just like everyone's gone so they have oh, their little so... community facebook's just, so weird i'm just scrolling through my own tweets just to see how how i'm tweeting Yours um, or Funky Moose's? No, my own, my personal one. There's a lot of Formula One in there. Uh, I me noticed that. Me complaining about meetings. <laughs> uh, more Formula One. Oh, Arkells. Oh, did you see that video where um, um, Max from the Arkells, um, he has a, a Zoom call with Keith Urban, and he no, tells no. he tells he tells Keith Urban, "Fuck you." Oh, I did. Yeah, I yeah. did, yeah, because he stole no, I, I a, the gig at the um, at the halftime show at the football game or something. Yeah, the, so the Arkell, Arkells apparently were supposed to play the halftime show for the Grey Cup, uh, but then uh, the Grey Cup hired uh, Keith Urban. So Max, the the, <laughs> the front man of Arkells, is now on a Zoom call and tells Keith Urban, "So we had this all arranged. So thanks a lot and fuck you." <laughs> Oh my god! I yeah, how about, he's, he's he's a pretty good sport about it, so it's all good. How about my trim clad commercial today? 
Do you guys I liked remember it. that? I thought it was great. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what the hell am I watching? Oh yeah, you wouldn't know because no, that's before that your be- day. Yeah, we. I mean, we had commercials like it, but not. Well, this I don't know, man. This commercial, that song was like stuck. I, I definitely my head when that song came out because it's just so soulful, man. It's so good for a paint commercial. It's probably so, one of the best jingles out there for a commercial. Really, there's some terrible right? jingles out there. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I had forgotten all about that commercial, but today I was like watching a bunch of Narwar interviews, and there was one where he he's with Seth Rogen. <laughs> And Seth Rogen had mentioned that trim clad commercial. And I was like, fuck yeah, I remember that. So then I found it and <laughs> I put it on there. So thanks That's awesome. Nardwar, for that commercial. But I yeah, feel that... like Twitter for me, Twitter for me right now is, is literally just my mental state. It's either like, huh, look at all this funny comedy or like, oh, today sucks and COVID sucks and the world yeah. is overwhelming. It's like one or the other. Uh, There's no in between. Like, well, Because the in-between stuff is not interesting for Twitter. Right, exactly. So it's either like everything sucks or this is hilarious. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> or I'm trying to send a message to somebody without directly saying it and the wrong person's going to be like, oh, that's for me. And I'm like, no, it's not about you. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm, I'm going to say <laughs> that all the time now. Every time yeah, you write yeah, something, I'm going to be like, well, I'll be private messaging you after. <laughs> yeah, was that for me? Was that for- yeah, is that, you met me, right? Me? That was for me. It's always like these random guys, and I'm like, no, it was not directed to you. I don't know you. Oh goddamn. That's, awesome. That's funny. Anyways, thanks so much for having me, guys. I can't believe it's been two hours. It's just I know. like two and a half. Yeah. It was super fun. So yeah, you'll have to send me a couple of those um those videos that were on your stories if you don't mind. Oh yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're trying to convince I, him to look like me. That'll be fun. I I miss them, so I need all of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there's yeah, actually I, I seriously There's like a 3 minute one. Like the first one I edited was 3 minutes and I sent it to Matt directly and I didn't post it anywhere. Then I I condensed it to 1 minute and this is all from 20 minutes of footage. <laughs> condensed it to 1 minute for Instagram. And then I posted a couple bloopers and some behind the scenes. But yeah, Man, I think I, didn't, I, I, I didn't strongly think that you're on to something there. I liked it. I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I did too. I had too much fun, really. <laughs> okay. I have a feeling we can talk all night, but um, we, we'll have to yeah. do this again. Yeah, of course. I'd love to. Yeah. And, you are uh, in touch. more than welcome. Yeah, you are welcome here anytime. If you yep. want to use the platform for anything, just you shout out, let us know. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I'll definitely uh, send you those videos. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Justine. Thanks. Take care, guys.